dance ballerinas. Yes, that's right. New podcast intro music. I felt like I needed a bit of a refresh after 50 episodes. A new vibe, something maybe a little bit more balletic. Let me know what you think. Now, for those who don't know, I am your host, Georgia Canning, also known as at the Balance Ballerina on Instagram. And this podcast is all about celebrating our shared love of ballet through guests, topics, grit and grace. Now, before I begin, I just wanted to say thank you all so much for your beautiful messages after my last podcast episode. This week, I have a much more lighter and um, a bit of a fun topic. I really enjoyed putting this together. Um, now, at the moment, what's going on in my life? It's the last what last. <laughs> let me say that again. It's the last week of classes at my studio. Um, during this pandemic and COVID times, I can't believe that where I am in Queensland in Australia, we have managed to make it through an entire term without having to close our doors, which just makes me so happy because I am increasingly aware of how important how ballet classes are to some people, um, the importance of moving our bodies and maintaining that, you know, really positive mindset and how important that, you know, basically moving our bodies is in regards to our mental health. So that's made me very happy, but I am looking forward to a nice little two weeks off from our regular uh, class schedule. And um, yeah, in the last week of classes, I can't believe we made it. What else has been happening? Um, oh, if I'm talking a little bit funny, see, this has been really interesting. I have got Invisalign lately. You know how everyone has just something that bugs them? And for me, it's been my bottom row of teeth. And um, they've always been a little bit crooked. And I finally turned 30, bit the bullet and... Uh, invested in Invisalign and the problem is I don't think I really thought it through because the problem with Invisalign and that no one tells you is that you talk with a bit of a lisp. Now even though I've taken them out I still feel like I'm talking funny um, even though I've taken them out to record this episode but I have been really struggling actually and maybe why I'm looking forward to two weeks off because for the last five weeks I have been teaching and being super conscious of what I sound like and my lisp and the fact that they cut the top of your mouth and it bleeds and oh it's just gross like it's just awful and I'm struggling to smile so I feel like I'm frowning at people all the time but the problem is if I smile my top lip goes over the top of the Invisalign and it gets stuck so if I smile too big then I have to like do this full thing to get my lip back over the oh, look it's a whole ordeal if anyone has any Invisalign tips please let me know thank god I only have to wear them for I think another two or three months but anyway that's uh how exciting my life is I just shared five minutes of my Invisalign story um but anyway so um at the moment I wanted to share this week a solo episode a bit rogue, as you can hear, but it'll get less rogue, I promise. Um, I've decided to call this, I actually am stealing it off another podcaster who did a solo episode, episode the other day and called it a plog. Now, a plog is a podcast slash blog put together, meaning he read one of his um, blog posts out and called it a plog. 
which I thought was a really good idea. And I have done it in the past. Um, It's a great way of ensuring that I'm delivering the content in a more meaningful and structured way. But also I know that a lot of people listen to podcasts because they're so convenient to listen to on your walk or in the car. And sometimes, even though I love writing blog posts, it helps me um, develop my own thoughts around different topics. I know that a lot of people don't have the time to read them, um, which I totally get. I don't read anyone else's blog. I just write my own. But um, if you do like reading though, you can always visit www.the... No, let me start that again. www.balanceballerinas.com. So yeah, today's episode is a plug, guys. It's, um, It's now a new word in my vocabulary. So you will have guessed from the title of this episode that today's topic is all about the difference between the training ballerina versus the exercising ballerina. And hopefully by the end of this discussion, you will sort of note the differences between the two and sort of why it's important to actually distinguish between the two. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out my most recent blog post that I'm literally about to hit publish on um, any second now as soon as I'm done reading it. So let's explore this topic. I was recently listening to an episode of the Rich Roll podcast where Rich was discussing the difference between someone exercising and someone training. And it was fascinating. For the record, there's a big difference. For those who don't know who Rich Roll is, he's an ultra marathon runner who has overcome drug and alcohol addiction to start a podcast that interviews many people from all walks of life around the topics of human optimization, athletics and nutrition. Similar to my own podcast, minus the precursor of addiction, obviously. Anyway, this discussion isn't about Rich, although he's pretty cool and you should listen to his wildly famous pod, but it is about the pivotal difference between someone exercising and someone training. To be honest, I've often used these words interchangeably, but I've come to realize that there is a huge difference between them. Firstly, let's clarify these two words. Exercise means to participate in a physical activity and is done for its own sake, meaning that you're moving your body for the sake of moving your body with little or no alterations to improve endurance, strength or mobility. Perhaps imagine attending the same spin or Pilates class that maintains a good baseline of fitness but doesn't necessarily escalate. Training, on the other hand, refers to accumulative and specific stress adaptations that produce a specific and desired result. So if the program of physical activity is designed to make you stronger, faster or better, then it can be called training. So training is incredibly um, mindful of the movement and it usually involves tracking and hitting markers. In a nutshell, training is driving towards a specific goal, whilst exercising is moving your body to stay active and healthy. When I look back at my own experience with physical activity, I view any gym or classes that I participated in as exercise and that time I got into CrossFit (laughs) as training. When I participated in CrossFit, for example, there was always a challenge or a goal set. 
we often competed against one another or other CrossFit gyms, and there was definitely always an aim of improving strength, endurance, and mobility. We also tracked our speed, agility, and the weight lifted. Yes, it was a whole thing. (laughs) I think about this in comparison to perhaps attending the gym, yoga, Pilates, or even an F45 class. I may have a goal about my baseline fitness and physique, but I'd be doing the same movements each time with no tracking. And if I'm honest with myself, I could probably hold a conversation with a friend before, during and after, which I did many times. So I guess it's more social. So how does this relate to the practice of ballet? And I guess, why does it even matter? Well, At first, I was wondering where ballet even fits into this equation. The more I listened to Rich and his guests discuss the difference, the more I kept swaying back and forth between the two. Oh, ballet is definitely training. Oh, wait, no, it's not. I guess, like many things, definitions are defined by the user and however they're using it, if that makes sense. For example, I'd consider a lot of my clients who come take class multiple times a week with goals and aspirations for their ballet practice as training, just like I'd consider some of my more recreational students, young and old, as exercising because they don't do any outside work, thought or preparation. After discussing with a fellow ballet teacher, she said that the clear distinction between a training ballerina versus an exercising ballerina would be one training to become a professional and the other practicing for the sake of learning ballet. This is where she lost me. I tend to disagree because I think you can definitely be a training ballerina if you don't plan on a professional career in dance. For example, No one questions the amateur triathlete who is training for their third or fourth triathlon. They make no money from their sport, but they are still referred to as training by fellow athletes, friends, and family. Again, I guess it brings us back to what I'm constantly fighting for. Ballerinas from all walks of life and ages being taken seriously. And this is why the distinction between a training and an exercising ballerina is an important discussion in my mind. Perhaps it's hard to define the difference between a training and an exercising ballerina because we don't typically have easy benchmarks or goals that others would understand. There's no race to be won or medal to claim. And that's why dance is predominantly considered an art. However, ballet exams and performances, which aren't often offered to adult ballerinas, would be the closest our industry comes to this idea of, I guess, a tangible goal. Although it could be argued that the leap from a demi-plié to a grand plié or a single pirouette to a double could also be considered quantitative data that we could collect. Progression could also be tracked through qualitative data to collect information on the quality of movement. Please let me know if you think that I'm using these terms incorrectly. I guess I'm just trying to explain how we could track a ballet training practice. Now, another could be the upskilling of a student from perhaps a beginner to intermediate or an advanced class. To be honest, 
my head hurts just thinking about how to determine whether one is a training or exercising ballerina when you put it like that. However, I'm going to try my best to define because I do strongly believe that there is a portion of the ballet student population who deserve to be called a training ballerina. So here's my view on a training versus exercising ballerina. I believe that a training ballerina is someone who is mindful, consistent and disciplined with their practice. Someone who is playing the long game with mental or tangible tracking, planning and patience. A big one there, patience. (laughs) A training ballerina knows that the practice of ballet is a long journey of self-discovery and muscle memory. The training ballerina takes her classes seriously, sources the best training on offer, and then trusts her teacher explicitly. I'd also consider a training ballerina someone who participates in complementing movement, for example, uh, Pilates, private lessons, or a program like Progressing Ballet Technique, to only increase their balletic performance, strength, and mobility. So on the other hand, I believe that the exercising ballerina is someone who simply comes to class to move their body, cleanse the mind, and then leaves class with little to no thought about their next class until it rolls around. They may even absolutely love ballet, but have no ambition to excel, go on point, participate in examinations, or give it more thought than an hour a week. And can I add that this is totally fine? If not, sometimes preferable, an exercising ballerina still receives all the grace and mindfulness without the obsession of goal setting or chasing a triple pirouette. And when I look at my own pool of ballet students, ranging from three years old to 83 years old, I'd say that three quarters fit into the exercising category and that the remainder are in the training category. The problem I find these days is that some students probably think they're in the training category, but are in fact definitely in the exercising category. Why does it matter what category they think they're in, I hear you say? Well, it can be incredibly problematic if they're expecting the results of a training ballerina and practicing like an exercising ballerina. Let me explain by giving two examples. First one. I had a young student who did two ballet classes per week and absolutely loved it. Her parents wanted to have a meeting with me to discuss this particular student's future, to which I had no problems doing. I absolutely love knowing what a student's long-term goal is. And to be honest, I thought she might want to assist with one of our Tiny Tots classes or pick up another genre of dance at the studio. But this particular student's dream, as I found out in this meeting, I was totally blindsided, was to be in the Royal Ballet. Yes, the Royal Ballet. The Royal Ballet. I couldn't believe it. This is a student whose parents didn't want her to participate in a simple ballet exam because of the additional costs associated. So not only did I have to explain that anatomically she just wasn't built for the world of professional ballet. Unfortunately, you know, she had severe scoliosis, relatively flat feet and naturally bent knees. But I also had to explain that two classes per week was just not enough at 15 years of age to even become a ballet teacher in the future. At minimum, 
well, at least a good ballet teacher, at minimum, a 15-year-old who has their sights set on a career, in all honesty, is training four to five afternoons a week in multiple genres as professional ballet dancers and most teachers were expected to be proficient in ballet, contemporary and jazz at the very least. Now, the parents, whilst lovely people, they just didn't seem to be listening, as I explained why this was a very unrealistic goal. They saw the past three years of their daughter's training as a waste of time if she wasn't going to have the option of becoming a professional ballerina. And here is where I can recall the first time I encountered the word training applied incorrectly. In my eyes, this student was simply an exercising ballerina. She wasn't even doing the required amount of classes to qualify for a ballet exam, let alone become a professional. So, you know, however, she was coming to class, she was enjoying herself and simply benefiting from the grace that ballet injected into her life each week. Why did it need to be more than that? Why did the investment in two ballet classes per week equate to a career in the industry or the notion of a ballerina in training we all know that mastery of anything requires at least 10,000 hours so moving on to my second example which was far more recent like so recent like I'm talking last week guys (laughs) a potential client sent me an email inquiring about adult ballet classes She was an actress that required ballet training for her next role. She wanted my professional recommendation for a training program that someone with little dance experience could convincingly play a ballerina in three months time. To be honest, I gave her a call instead of replying to the email because I had to explain that even if I had three years, it would be difficult to turn her into a convincing professional ballerina. For example, when Natalie Portman, who had studied ballet as a child, was preparing for her role in Black Swan, she trained for up to eight hours a day, six days a week, for an entire year in preparation for her role in Black Swan. And even then, if I'm honest, there are times during that movie that she doesn't quite pull it off. Go watch and let me know if you agree or disagree. Anyway, Back to my interesting adult ballet client with unrealistic expectations. After a look at what I was working with, by the way, a ballet teacher can determine how much work needs to be done from the moment a student walks through the door, just by how they carry themselves. I knew that she would, you know, commence, I knew that she would need one private lesson and four group classes per week. For example, two beginner and two intermediate before commencing to maybe one beginner, two intermediate and one advanced after two months. That was my guess and that was my recommendation. So she showed up early to her first class and I started fitting her for a pair of ballet shoes. She looked very unimpressed and I couldn't actually work out why. Turns out she didn't want the floppy pair of um, canvas ballet flats that I just fit her. She wanted those ones as she pointed to a pair of point shoes on the poster behind me. We then had a conversation where I started by kindly explaining why she couldn't have a pair of point shoes that ended with me bluntly saying, if you show up to my class in point shoes, I will not teach you because she was not taking no for an answer. 
So remember when I said before that my definition of a training ballerina is someone that trusts their teacher, the professional, the one with decades of experience? It would be like me hiring a trainer to help me reach the goal of running a marathon. And instead of following the slow, progressive program they put together for me, I run out the front door, do 42 kilometers in a pair of pink Nike high tops because they look prettier than proper running shoes. Anyway, she did class. And as you can guess, she was pretty hopeless. Didn't listen to a single instruction the entire class, annoyed everyone around her and walked out telling me how amazing she thinks she did and that a couple of lessons before her movie shoot will be fine. I, on the other hand, recommended that she finds a different teacher to learn ballet from. (laughs) Now, these are two very extreme examples and I guess a more common example of an exercising ballerina who thinks they're in training is a student who begins at an advanced class level because the time suits them better or they feel like they don't need to start with a beginner or intermediate class. These are always fun to deal with because they never fully understand the fundamentals of ballet to begin with. And they always complain about not getting the exercise or find something difficult. So after sharing all those fun examples, I think it's important to revisit the concept that the truly training ballerina practices patience. The training ballerina understands that ballet is built with small incremental steps and decades of consistent practice. Real progress takes time and persistence This is the key to raising the bar. See what I did there (laughs) with your ballet practice. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Real progress takes time and persistence. Now, one final point. I think that teachers can also be separated into these two categories. Let's quickly chat about the difference between a training teacher and an exercising teacher. Did you know that you don't need any qualifications to become a ballet teacher? Anyone can simply open a studio, advertise classes, and lead a group through a ballet class. Whenever I say this to people, their minds are blown, but it's true. So in my eyes, a training ballet teacher is someone that continues to seek professional development after becoming a qualified ballet teacher with an internationally recognized syllabus. A training teacher doesn't stop learning there. They read books on best teaching practices, different styles of technique, and then they pass on this knowledge to their students. A training teacher also walks out of every class thinking, how could I have improved that class? Or what could I have done better? To be honest, that's what I do. Every year I look back at my body of work, my students, my studio, and I think to myself how far I've come. And then the following year, I do exactly the same thing. I'm a far better teacher now than when I first started teaching ballet. And in another 12 years time, I'll probably look back at this period of my teaching career and think, gosh, I had no idea what I was doing back then. (laughs) And I guess that's the point, isn't it? A true ballerina, a ballet teacher, a human being never stops training because the goalposts, they never stop moving. So after all that, Don't know if you're an exercising or a training ballerina? Well, for fun, let's go through this quick checklist. Do you attend at least two ballet classes per week? Do you do other activities outside the ballet studio to complement your practice, for example, Pilates or floor bar? Do you fuel your body with the intention of performing better in class? Do you have clear goals in relation to your ballet practice? 
Do you trust your teacher and allow them to guide you towards your goals? Do you even let them know about your goals? (laughs) Do you enjoy focusing on the fundamentals of technique just as much as an advanced class? Do you achieve a goal, for example, one clean pirouette and move quickly onto the next, for example, two clean pirouettes? If you answered yes to most of these questions, then yes, you're probably a training ballerina. Now, how about if you're an exercising ballerina? Do you go to class for social reasons? Do you attend class and don't think about it again until the next class rolls around? Do you enjoy staying in the same level of class? Do you have just fun at ballet? If you answered yes to these questions, then you're probably an exercising ballerina. And I want to make something very clear. This is perfectly normal and wonderful. Being an exercising ballerina can bring so much joy to your life. And sometimes I wish I could just relax, um, you know, think less about goal setting or leave a class and not critically analyze every part of it. Being in training can be very exhausting. If you're an exercising ballerina, I want you to also know that you are just as deserving of a spot in class. So with all that said, no matter what kind of ballerina you are, how lucky are we to have found and reap the benefits of this beautiful holistic practice? Now, I would, as always, love your feedback. Uh, Let me know what you thought of the plug. Let me know what you thought of this solo episode. Let me know what you think of the new intro music. I'm digging it. I kind of like it. Um, I'm, I'll stick with it for at least another 50 episodes and then I might mix it up again. <laughs> um, I hope you all have a beautiful week. I hope you are moving your body and staying healthy and fueling your body in the way that it needs to be fueled for immunity during this world pandemic. And as always, if you have a topic that you'd like me to cover or questions you want answered, Um, I've been answering a lot of questions actually lately um, for different publications, which has been fun. A couple in Russia, which was pretty cool. They sent me the article, but I I couldn't read it. I'd been translated into Russian. So um, yeah, just send me an email, hello at balanceballerinas.com or you can catch me on Instagram. If you are listening to the podcast, the best way you can support the podcast is by leaving a review or sharing. So if you take a screenshot, and you pop it up on Instagram and tag at Balance Ballerinas, nothing makes me happier. Have a good one. Have a good week. Love you all. Bye.